sit and we grouse and we fear and we bite our nails and, and we do all sorts of things where later we go, oh, why didn't I see that? <laughs> right? And you just like, you just feel terrible about it, right? And, uh, but it's a, it's a part of the teaching process. And the Lord brings us through things that way. In Luke 24, uh, the Lord is going to bring the, His church, His early church here, these disciples and the, and the women in this, in this church here, He's going to bring them through some deep waters. And the deep waters that He's bringing them through are His own crucifixion. His own crucifixion. They didn't understand it, did they? they? They didn't see it. Look at verse 1. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in, and they found not the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll stop there, and we'll get right into this. Father, would you bless your word to this morning? Would you teach us this morning? Would you remind us, uh, Father, that... Uh, and comfort us and encourage us this morning that you are aware of everything going on in our life. You're aware of it. You have a purpose with it. You are, you've promised to make us and mold us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what you're doing in our life today. And would you help us to be able to respond and live by faith and trust you more and, uh, and find rest and comfort and what you're trying to do in our life. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're ever in the area of Houston, Texas, I don't know if you've ever been there or if you even knew about it, but there's this large-looking uh, type of a warehouse, like, almost like an airplane hangar. And inside this airplane hangar is actually, it's a museum. It is a museum. And it's, it, is, it says here, uh, the, the, the quote they have here is, one of our most important cultural Rituals is a museum to honor one of the most our most important cultural um, cultural uh, rituals, and it is the National Museum of Funeral History. Rather morbid, macabre, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a. I mean, they say inside this in, inside this museum is all sorts of unusual items on display that have everything to do with uh, funerals and death and burials and things like that. You'll find a glass coffin. You'll find in there a coffin for three. You'll find a collection, a coffin for three. That's a wide coffin. You'll find a, a collection of coffins that were hand-painted from Ghana, Africa. You'll see these little signs uh, throughout, the, throughout the museum that say, don't open the caskets. Boy, that'd be... I mean, what do I want to do now? I want to open them. I want to see what's inside, right? And uh, they have all sorts of displays of funeral vehicles. They have a, uh, all sorts of one that from that look like an old, uh, it is an old, very sleek black sleigh that they would have used to bring in, 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 uh, in a casket all the way up to hearses that carried famous people. Even a 1916 Packard funeral bus. And what they thought they would do with that is in the streets of San Francisco, they thought instead of having a long display, a long uh, uh, train to the, to the funeral, right, uh, they would put everybody in the bus uh, with the coffin, and that way you didn't have to have a lot of traffic there. And as they're going up one of the hills of San Francisco, it tipped over. 
and the people fell out, and the coffin fell out, and it was quite a deal. Well, now it's in a funeral. It's 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 in a uh, history museum, and and for some weird reason, I've never seen a funeral bus since, or uh, at all in my life. Right? I think they kind of nixed that plan. Okay. And so it's kind of an interesting thing uh, that they have here in Houston. It really is. It's kind of bizarre, a little bit weird, right? We don't think about things like that. And uh, you kind of wonder, is the, is the parking lot ever full of visitors, right? You, you know, the, the, the graveyard is the only place people are just dying to get in. You know, you've, you've heard that, right? And uh, Judy got it. And uh, it's weird. It's just a weird place of history. And, uh, but you know, it's, it's interesting because they've done this to honor, to honor death. And that's probably one of the last things in somebody's life that we can do to honor their life is to go to their funeral, right? It's an honoring thing. I remember Harold Seitler used to say, you know, the Bible says, he says to honor thy father and thy mother, that they da- thy days may be long upon the earth. And he said, uh, he, he said his, his habit was to always go to the graveyard where his parents and his great and his grandparents and his great great grandparents and all of the settlers that came from Germany in the 17 whatever to uh, North Carolina. And he says, I go and I see their graves regularly. And I, he said, I tell my my father and my mother, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't quit. I haven't given up. You know, I'm still preaching. He goes, I let my grandfather, my grandfather, he goes, I just let him know. He goes, I think it's a way that I can honor my father and my mother. I go to their graves and I let him know I'm still carrying on. I thought, well, what an interesting thing that is. And it's true. We do. We, we go to the graves at times. I think it is a good habit to go to the graves. I think it's a good habit to go to the family burial plots. I think it's a great habit. One, one of the things that help us to do is let's reminds us how transitory this life is. Especially if you knew them, especially if it was a parent and you, you can see the, the beginning and the end of a life and, and you might have been there for, uh, you know, most of it, maybe, maybe minus 17 or 18 or 19 or 20 or 25 years, however old your parents were when you came along. But for the most of your life, you were there. And now you're sitting there looking at a grave at a headstone and they had come and they had gone. And it's a powerful thing. It's a necessary thing for us to remember to teach us to number our day, to teach us to number our days, that we might apply our hearts into wisdom, and to realize that we're not long for this planet. Uh, we're just passing through. And what a wonderful thought that is. I I don't know about you. At times, you ever get so frustrated with yourself, and uh, and the Lord just kind of sweetly reminds you, uh, this isn't the end of it, right? You're going to get a new body someday. You're going to get a new this. You're not going to sin again. Listen, this isn't the end. This is the beginning. And I love how he reminds us of that. And uh, we can sure do that at the graveside. And, but we do it to honor people. We, we do the, I, I'm thankful for those that still do a graveside service. I'm thankful for those that still have a funeral. Because it's important for those that are in the life of those people to do that. And not only that is, I, I've, I told my sister this one day. I, I, I said it's one of the last times we have as a believer in Jesus Christ. One of the last times we have to preach the gospel. To tell a, the world and the lost world that is at that gravesite That the body that went into this grave that we watch go down into that grave. Is the same exact body that's coming out again someday. Amen. And I'm looking forward to that. And uh, Well, not the dying part, but I'm looking forward to the resurrecting part. So I'm kind of looking forward to the dying part too, but just not how. I just, I just, I haven't figured that one out, how to, how to uh, manage that one. But, you know, Lord will take care of that. I've told you that one. I better not. Never mind. We got to go forward. Uh, 
We honor people. This is what was going on here in Mark chapter 24. They were going to honor the body, the, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were headed to the grave and they were going to uh, lay some things at that grave. They were going to put some, bring some spices into the grave and they were honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. So John chapter 19, listen to what it says, verse 16 and 19. Then delivered he, uh, him therefore unto, the, unto them to be crucified and they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him, and two other with him on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. I don't know if we could rightly understand the absolute devastation the disciples right now are living in. This first church, the church that Jesus started. I don't know if we fully understand the devastation and the letdown that his church was living in right now. I mean, think about it. They, they thought he was coming to usher in the kingdom of God on the earth. They, some of them thought he was coming in to take care of this Roman Empire that was occupying the land that they were getting sick of, right? They, they believed him. They left all of their livelihood. I mean, they left a business. They left uh, the, 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 the industry that, that was in their family. They, they left any hopes of a future, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what they had back then, but uh, I mean, they didn't have 401ks, but man, they had, they had future they could have maybe uh, depended upon and family inheritances and things like that. They left everything to follow Jesus. And now they're standing at a grave, Right? He said, do you believe that I am the Christ? Peter, whom do you say that I am? Well, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't tell you this, Peter. He said, my father told you this, right? There's the only way that we could know this is by the witness of the Spirit of God. And, uh, and it's a spiritual thing. And, and they believed him and they followed him. And he told them over and over again, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to crucify me. But I'm going to rise again the third day. And they missed it all. They missed it. And here they are coming back to the grave. The, the men weren't even there as the ladies who showed up. The men weren't even there. They were beside themselves. Yeah. You know what happens, doesn't it? it may not be a Messiah. May, maybe those that followed David Koresh that day that the government came in and started blasting them off the planet. I wonder what they thought. Right. These people that followed uh, uh, the, the Heaven's Gate and all of these different cults, uh, the ones that followed Jim Jones down to, down to South, South America, and uh, 900 and some of them that finally at the end drank the Kool-Aid laced with cyanide. You wonder what they thought. Maybe they didn't. You talk about hopes being destroyed. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a political figure, right? <laughs> we kind of chuckle at those pictures on election night of 2016, and we think it's quite funny of those people that are screaming into the air when they realize uh, their Savior Hillary didn't win. Ah, don't say it. Be careful. <laughs> it's not pertinent to the lesson. But that anguish was real for them. As wrong as they were, as we think, you're nuts, right? The photos of them screaming and wailing and in disbelief and wandering around the place like, what just happened? Yeah. 
And then they're left with a, then they're left with not only that their Messiah, right, is not on the throne, then they're left with this guy that they think was absolutely Satan is who's going to be running the country now. Right? I, I don't know what the disciples, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us what all that they thought. But, but obviously they're a little bit discouraged. And now he's not ruling. There, there was sorrow. It was a sorrowful, sorrowful journey that they were on. They were sorrowing not only his death, but they were surprised by an empty tomb. Absolutely devastated and trying to figure out what was going on. Mark 16, 10, the Bible says, And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. It's interesting to know that it was the ladies who went to the tomb. They were the last ones at the cross, except for John, and they're the first ones at the tomb. Yeah. But they were sorrowing the Savior's death. Look at verse 1. Upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. In Luke chapter 8, when Jesus met Mary Magdalene, she was, remember, she was plagued by devils. She was demon-possessed. Jesus set her free and gave her new life. Now, I, I, when I got saved, I don't think I was uh, full of demons and devils. At least I don't know I was. But uh, she knew she was. The people around knew she was. She knew what it was to be it was to be freed from Jesus Christ. That's why you and I that, we, that are in Christ Jesus uh, today, somebody comes along and says, well, God doesn't exist. Jesus was just a figment of people's imagination. He might have been a historic figure, but he certainly wasn't God. And uh, he certainly didn't have the power to do anything or to change any life. And you and I were to say, well, I think I would disagree with you. Because I know what happened when I was 27 years old, when I came before God on my own personally and said, you're right, I'm wrong, I need this, right? I, I mean, I, I know what happened that day. I know what has happened since that day. You can't tell me otherwise. And here, here is uh, Mary Magdalene. Uh, Jesus, Jesus cast devils out of her. And she knew it. And she's following him. But now she's at his tomb, and he's gone. This doesn't make sense. Yeah? It doesn't make sense at all. In Luke chapter 8, certain of the women which had, been, which had uh, been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom were seven devils. Seven devils. So Mary Magdalene was changed. She was changed from one who was separated by God, and she was changed to one who found hope uh, through forgiveness, who found hope in God. Mark 69, the Bible says that when Jesus was risen the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils. Yeah. So here it is through Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection. Mary Magdalene had a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. She was growing, she was changing. And now he's gone. Oh, it's, listen, we can't fully understand what they're going through. We're on the other side, right? We're like, but, but he came out of the grave. Just hold on a minute. Just wait a few days. Yeah. Yeah. I, wonder if people, I wonder if people in heaven could look down. I don't believe they can. 
uh, people wrongly take over in Hebrews uh, 12. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The word cloud just means a gathering, right? The witnesses they were talking about were in chapter 11, uh, the, the Hebrews of faith. Your loved ones are not watching you, okay? What a, what a horrible life. That, what a horrible existence in heaven that'd be, huh? Right? But could you imagine if they could? And when you're going through your thing, they're going, wait, just wait four days. It'll be okay. It's okay. Just wait, right? We're, but we don't, we don't experience it. We're, we're living in real time. And we're, we're looking like, well, it's over. Well, this is finished. My life makes no point anymore. My life doesn't make any sense anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do from here on out. Everything I hoped for, everything I was looking at for my future is gone now. And now what am I going to do? And uh, hey, this is where they were. It was very real. And we, we experienced it as well. And so there was sorrow there. there she was sorrowing the Savior's, uh, the Savior's death. And then she shows up absolutely surprised that the tomb's empty. Look at verse 2. And they came and found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. That's a big rock. I have a picture of one on a roadside. It's really cool. Uh, going, uh, I was going, we were going from, I think we are going up into Galilee. We hadn't, quite, we hadn't gotten to the Sea of Galilee yet. But along this roadside, you have a regular modern paved road. You have a guardrail. And then right past the guardrail, you have this, this yellowy rock cliff. And against the cliff, there's carved out tombs like you see pictures of. And one of them had a stone, big round stone, you know, rolled to the side. Oh, they really did look like that, didn't they? Yeah, they're big. They don't just roll away. Remember, the Bible says they were sealed. All right, The king's signet was put on them that you weren't to open it because they were afraid. Oh, somebody's going to steal the body of Jesus and say he rose from the dead. It's amazing. Amazing. The detractors remembered him saying, I was going to rise from the dead, but his disciples missed it. <laughs> they were, listen, they were in such a fog of disbelief. They, they missed it all. We do that, don't we? We get into this, this funk in life, this fog, and we come out of it, and you're like, oh, well, it was there all the time. Why didn't I see that? Well, we, we weren't looking. Right? It was devastating, whatever we're going through. And so here it is. The, the, the stone is rolled away. That's weird. Walks up into it, and uh, it's empty. Yeah. Came to pass, verse... Verse 3, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, they said unto them Why seek ye the living among the dead? Oh, I love that phrase. He's alive. He is alive. Amen. He is. In John chapter 20, verses 1 through 4, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, while it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. And she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. They still didn't think about he was re resurrected from the dead. She just thought somebody stole the body out of there. We want the body back. Whoever has it, we just want it back. We're trying to honor him. And so they ran both together. See, Jesus had foretold them of his death. He had foretold them of his burial. He had foretold them of, their, of his resurrection. But uh, how easy it is to lose, lose perspective during the trial. Sometimes fear can hinder our ability. Listen, fear can hinder our ability 
to remember the promises of God. That's why the Bible says, perfect love casteth out fear, for fear hath what? Torment. Torment. It's dark. God doesn't torment His children. Aren't you thankful for that? And so, John 2.19, Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple three days, I'll raise it up again. He told them over and over and over again. Yeah. So here they were. Their hearts are broken. They're going to put the they're going to anoint the body of the Lord Jesus one last time to honor Him. And they found the stone was gone. Jesus was gone. And now the heartache just gets even compounded. It gets worse. Yeah. And then they forgot. They missed, they missed, the, they missed the point. They missed the purpose of what everything was. They missed why Jesus was even there. They missed it. There's a grade school set of kids in grade school. It was show and tell. How many remember show and tell? I remember at the time of show and tell, we had lived in New England and moved from here to there. And I brought in a cow horn that was in the barn lot and we had been cut off. I thought it was awesome. They didn't think it was that great. Anyway, I thought it was pretty cool. And I, I still have that thing. That thing is ancient. And, uh, Anyway, um, show and tell. Well, this was show and tell was to bring something about your religious, about you know the religion in your family. Obviously, this was a long time ago, right? And this one little girl brought, came up and she said, I'm Jewish and this is the Star of David. And she showed them the little Star of David. Everybody oohed and awed over it, you know. Another little boy came up and he said, my family is Catholic and this is a crucifix. And everybody looked at the crucifix and thought, oh, wow, that's really neat. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And the third little boy, uh, Johnny, came up, and uh, he was a Baptist, and Johnny brought up a casserole. <laughs> yeah. Johnny didn't quite get it, right? He kind of missed a few things, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. The disciples, they missed a few things, didn't they? They missed some stuff. And uh, we miss a lot spiritually as well when we get in the fog, the fog of disappointment, the fog of discouragement. Yeah. We get in a fog and we can miss what God's t- trying to tell us. So there's a sorrowful journey that these disciples are on, but the sorrowful journey turns into a wonderful journey, doesn't it? We know where this is going. Their fears were finally relieved. L- Luke 24, look at verse 8. And they remembered his words. They remembered his words. Aren't you glad? Isn't it a wonderful thing when the Lord brings His Word back to you? And you go, oh yeah. You're in the midst of something of fear and God, the Holy Spirit brings back a Word. I love that. I really do. Mary and those that were with her remembered, finally remembered, finally remembered His words. Right. This is, listen, this is why it's important to be in, in church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Sunday school and special meetings and, and, and missions conferences and and VBS, and Wednesday nights, and all these things. It's important to be there. Listen, because we, we, we're constantly being reminded of His Word. We're constantly being reminded. And, uh, you, you know, um, every service might not be the greatest life-changing service in your life, but the service you miss will not be the most life-changing service in your life. Yeah. And uh, 
You know, no, we, we have the word brought back to us. I don't know. At times, have you ever been confused of how to pray per, for people? And the, we have some people in our life that we're praying for uh, earnestly. And one of the ways I've been praying lately is, Lord, would you please bring back to their memory the things they have been taught? Would you bring back the word of God? Would you bring back the Bible verses they've memorized? Would you bring back the songs that they have sung? Would you bring back the family devotions that they've had to listen to? Would you bring back the word of God? And he, he can do that. It's there. It is there, right? And uh, he can absolutely bring that back. Their fears were absolutely relieved here uh, by the word of God. Right? Over in Psalm 119, I've got it down here. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Thy testimonies, the word of God. And uh, there was a really nervous guy. He was getting ready to get on an, on an airplane. How many remember the airports? I don't even know. I've, as you know, I fly a lot and I'm through airports all the time. And I don't even remember seeing these anymore. But I do remember them when I was a kid. How many remember the kiosks? that you could go and buy life insurance before, <laughs> before you got onto a flight, right? I remember my brother was trying to, my, my mother and I were coming, from, uh, were coming to Springfield. We're flying from Boston to Springfield. And uh, back when you could, of course, go right up to, the, to where they got onto the plane back, this is probably about 1981. And uh, my brother was like, oh, look, we can buy insurance. And he was trying to figure out how to buy insurance on us, you know. And uh, things, but you could, I, I remember that. I vaguely, I remember that. I don't see him anymore. But this guy was getting ready to get on a flight. The, 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 uh, the, the weather was really bad. It was, and I've had those flights and I've sat in those planes when they get clearance to take off. I was at one down in Dallas, one time Dallas to, to, to uh, Austin. <clears throat> and we're sitting there because, I mean, it's, it's, it looks like a hurricane outside, just a thunderstorm. And the FAA has grounded everybody and it's still carrying on. The pilot comes on. Well, we've been cleared to take off. And I'm I'm like, no, and I'm looking out the window. It's like, certainly you haven't been cleared. And up we go. And I'm like, oh, it's like, you know, and I'm talking to the guy next to me, trying to just, we're trying to keep, you know, the chaos from getting to us. And it was like, a big flash. I'm like, was that lightning that just hit the wing? And he goes, yeah, I think so. And I'm like, oh, you know, I mean, just, I can, I know what this guy feels like. Okay. Sometimes these flights are, so he was watching this flight and he didn't, he was a little bit nervous about it. He saw the kiosk. So he goes and he signs up for a million dollars worth of life insurance. Three dollars. That's all it was. Three bucks. And to, to satisfy, to kind of calm his fears a little bit. Right. He felt if I'm gone, at least the family's taken care of. Okay. And so he uh, got out and uh, went, went to the, uh, uh, went to the restaurant waiting before, for his flight. And he kind of found him a little Chinese restaurant to go eat at. And he sat down and he finished his meal. He's feeling a little bit better. And he finds the fortune cookie and he opens up in the fortune cookie and he pulls it out and your recent investment will pay big dividends. <laughs> yeah. In an effort to, re to relieve his fears in his own strength, to try to relieve his fears in his own strength, he ended up multiplying them. Yeah. We need to remember the words that we find in the New Testament. For 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, Right? but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Boy, I like that. Of a sound mind. Yeah. They were not only relieved by the words of Jesus, but they're also going to be relieved by the presence of Jesus. Look at verse, 30, look at verse 36. 
And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do you, thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. There's anything that we can learn from the resurrection. One of the things that we can learn is that Jesus is always with us. He is always there. He is always present. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You can look at the pyramids in Egypt. You can look at uh, Westminster Abbey in London where all of the well-known English nobles are buried. You can look at Arlington Cemetery where some of the finest of, America, of, of America's uh, servants and warriors are buried uh, through there and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and see all that was done there. But every one of those tombs still have bones in them. But because the tomb where Jesus was buried is empty, our hearts can be filled with the presence of Christ. Why? Because the tomb, because why? Because the day we got saved, he was risen in us. And he indwells us. And he lives with us. His presence is there. And he promises us, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You see, a sorrowful journey turned into a wonderful journey. What made, a, what made the sorrowful journey a wonderful journey? Well, Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up. They were relieved by the word of God. They were relieved by the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And their sorrow was removed. Look at verse 8. And they remembered his words. <clears throat> 24 verse 8. And returned from the sepulcher and told these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. Right? When he arose, when Jesus arose, he... Um, how do I say this? When Jesus arose, he, he ended up planting the only durable rumor of hope amidst the widespread despair of a hopeless world. What hope did he plant? Well, he's alive. He's alive. You ever had your dreams shattered? You ever had your plans tipped upside down? You ever had situations where you realize, well, I can't control them. They're going to do what they're going to do. You ever been there? You ever try to figure out on your own how to, how, how to make sense of something and you just can't make sense of it at all? Your life, maybe at times you've been there in the past, maybe when your life has just been absolutely falling apart. What do you do? I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Yeah, Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. You've got, listen, the, the, whatever the burden is, the answer is found for us in the Word of God. If you're on a journey of sorrow today, the answer is found in the Word of God. <clears throat> if, if your life is in a fog today, the answer is found in the Word of God. It's found right there. We, I mean, the, the question comes, what will you turn to 
to relieve your sorrow and your hopelessness. Because we all, listen, if you're not there today, many of us in this room have lived long enough to know that we'll be there again sometime. We'll be in the fog again sometime and we'll get there. But if maybe you're there today and, uh, uh, and, and you're just trying to get through the, 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 the confusion and the weight and the fog and the, uh, the disenchantment of what's going on. We know what the world does, right? The world turns to, they turn to entertainment, they turn to drugs, they turn to alcohol, they turn to immorality, they turn to all, all sorts of things. But we don't have to do any of that. Isn't that wonderful? It doesn't help anyway. <laughs> Right? I had a man tell me, he said, uh, he said uh, I, when, his, uh, when his wife left years and years ago, he said, I didn't want to go home to an empty house, so I just went to the bar. And I found, found out that was just worse because I still had to go home. Yeah. Got full of alcohol and still had to go home. He said it, made, it just made it all worse. Yeah. That's what the world does. It, it does. You know what? It doesn't work, does it? It doesn't work. We can run to Jesus. We can run to our refuge. We can run to Him. We can, no, listen, a, 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 a journey in our life that is a sorrowful journey can be a wonderful journey if Jesus is there. But notice also, finally, it was transformational in the lives of these disciples. And... Uh, it was transformational for a couple reasons. A couple reasons. First off, it was for, through forgiveness. Don't forget where Peter was in this whole thing. Right? Peter, Peter had been pretty discouraged himself. He had denied the Lord. Right? He had, and and it, Jesus told him he would. He, told, he, he denied him. He had gone out and wept bitterly. He wasn't there at the crucifixion. John was there. All the others had gone away. He did run to the tomb and he noticed it was empty. He was a little, a little perplexed. But eventually, at some point, right, Peter, before Pentecost and after the resurrection, Peter says, I go fishing. And he takes several out with him. And there he is fishing. And we know that Peter, uh, Jesus finally comes to Peter and has to deal with him. But uh, Peter needed to be dealt with. I'm sure he wondered if Jesus would have ever forgiven him again. Have you been there after the umpteenth time that you came to the Lord and you thought, I'm just not coming for this one anymore. Again? Right. Fill in the blank, whatever it is. I said it again. I did it again. I went there again. Right. I didn't do this again. I mean, just fill the blank in. And after so often you're like, See, this is one of the dangerous things of sin. Not that you can't be forgiven, but that you come to the place when you're so callous that you don't want to be forgiven anymore. That's what happens when you stay there too long. It's, 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 it's terrible. But here, Peter is absolutely disloyal. Probably wonder whether the Lord would forgive him again. I don't know the despair that he walked away from. I do know this in 1 Peter chapter 5. He tells us several times, right? Uh, to be sober. <laughs> Over in chapter 4, he says it. Over in chapter 5 and verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, right? He, he, listen, he's speaking from experience. Don't go to sleep, he says. Be alert of what Satan is trying to do in your life. He did learn some things in his life and what it was to be in despair and what to disappoint the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew that. 
But Jesus forgave him. I want you to notice something. When Jesus went to him, remember this, we're not going to go over there today. I'm going to try to get finished up here. But we know what happened. Jesus went there. They were fishing, brought in. He's got breakfast cooking there on the, on the fire, right? And, uh, and Jesus starts out by saying what to Peter? Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you, right? He says, feed my sheep. Second time, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Uh, yes, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. The third time, Peter, lovest thou me? Lord, listen what he says. You know all things. You know all things. Many times, listen, the Lord will come into the darkest places of our life. Not to, listen, not, not to get us to convince him that we love him but to get us to see that we really do still love him. We do love him. Because sometimes we think, do I even love you anymore? And the Lord will come in those times and he'll say, yes, you do. Yes, you do. I know you do. Now get out and feed my sheep. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, one of the greatest, one of the greatest uh, answers from the Lord that he's still with you and he still wants you to do what he wants you to he, he still has for you what he wants you to do is when he tells you just to get back to work. Yeah. He did it with Elijah, Mount Carmel, right? He gave him work to do right after that. That's how he cured his depression, right? Go anoint Hazael. Go do this and then go anoint this one in thy room. What did he say? Go back to work. Go back to work. God forgave Peter, right? And Peter had to see that he still loved the Lord Jesus. If you have failed, I think it'd be easier. Let me do this. Let me ask a raise of hands. Anybody in here here who hasn't failed? I'm surprised. I thought I'd get at least one hand out there. Yeah. yeah. What happens when we fail? What does Satan... Let me remind you this. Satan always deals with us in generalities. You blew it. Yeah. You gave up. You, you'll never be able to do this again. You don't know how to live life, obviously. I mean, no, do you see... I mean, he deals in generalities. You're a loser. <laughs> right? The Holy Spirit of God always deals in specifics. He will specifically point out sin. You need to confess this right here. No, now you need to confess this. And you need to confess this. That's what God does. He doesn't torment us with generalities, right? Because he loves us. And he wants that, that fellowship to be restored. And Satan will always say, well, you blew it. You know, you just need to give up. You'll, you're, you're not going to be able to serve God ever again. But you know what? God wasn't finished with Peter. And can I tell you, maybe you're in this room this morning, you're watching online today or at some other point. God isn't finished with you either. If you are a child of God, if you've been born again by the Spirit of God, uh, if you have gone down the, the path and the journey of sorrow and, if you, you, and, and disappointment and discouragement and everything else, a sorrowful journey can become a wonderful journey. And when Jesus gets involved again, it turned, a, a transformation can happen in your life. And yes, God can use you again. 
If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. Not only does God forgive us, but he chooses not to remember our sin. I like that. He chooses not to remember. As far as the east is to the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions for us. Not only did God forgive Peter, but he put him back into service, back into fellowship. Jesus just wanted to walk with Peter again. That's what he does. Listen to the 103rd Psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Listen, you might have found yourselves on a journey that has just brought sorrow into your life. But can I tell you this morning, God wants to restore. He wants to restore. He wants the fellowship back. He wants to use you again. Not only was Peter transformed through forgiveness, but the transformation was through faith. And I don't have time. We need to finish here. Yeah. Remember Thomas didn't believe? And finally Jesus came to him again. Thomas had trouble too. And he said, Thomas, feel, feel the prince. Put your hand in my side. And uh, what did Thomas say? My Lord, my Lord and my God. We saw some of the fruit of Thomas's ministry just a month ago. When the Thomases were here. (laughs) God used him again. God used him. There are missionaries in India and Indians that even took his last name that were with us just a month ago. I, I just... That boggles my mind. I love it. I love it. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. So there's transformation. Whatever darkness you're going through, listen, God is using it to transform you. What did He promise to do? To, To make you, to mold you, into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever, whatever it is in the middle of your life, or where you're at right now, whether it's denial and sin like Peter, whether it's disillusionment like, uh, like the ladies and the other disciples, whether it's total doubt like Thomas, listen, that's not the end of it. You're on a journey and God is using it to bring transformation into your life. Right? Let Him do that. Let Him do it. We're saved by faith. We're redeemed by faith. We're made into the likeness and the image of the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. It's not the end. Whatever, wherever you're at today, may you remember this. May God bring it back to your mind. When you find yourself, maybe you're not there now, but you're, you, you'll find yourself there in the future. And may God bring this back to your mind. The, the, listen, it's not the end. It's a part of the transformation. And a bad, a bad journey can become a really good journey when we least expect it, when He shows up. Father, would You help us today? Lord, would You help us as we navigate this life and at times find ourselves on a path that we think is just a path of destruction, a path that we've messed up, a path that uh, we've just 
It looks like there's no hope at the end of it and there's never going to turn out anything good out of this. Would you help us to remember uh, this morning, Lord, uh, that uh, when you show up, when you show up, even you, you can even fix bad choices and a bad, a bad road and a bad journey and a bad path. And you can use that path to transform our life. And I ask you to do that work today in Jesus' name. Amen.